Welcome to the City Voice podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington cities. I'm Brian Dascom, and today I'll be reading three stories from the most recent issue of City Vision magazine. First up is crisis communication, about Fife working with its neighbors to resolve a potentially volatile housing protest. On December 24, 2020, a local advocacy organization booked 16 rooms at the Travel Lodge in Fife and invited dozens of its constituents to shelter there on the holiday eve. But as Christmas Day came and went and the group refused to leave, Tacoma Housing Now, which had paid for a single night, informed the hotel's owner that it was staging a sleep-in. Local government would be footing the bill for an extended stay. The owner eventually called the police, and on Monday evening, December 28, Fife Police Chief Peter Fisher and City Manager Hyun Kim met the owner, Sean Randhawa, at his property. Randhawa told them that he'd had enough. He wanted the squatters, reported by Tacoma Housing Now to number more than 40, including at least one who had tested positive for coronavirus, gone. We needed to hear him say that, Kim recalls. He and Fisher didn't want to incite a mass arrest or altercation. Local media were already covering the occupation, and they knew their actions would be scrutinized in the context of the heightened tension between law enforcement and the public nationally. Kim and Fisher asked the owner if they could have a couple of days to find alternative housing for the group. Since the only paying travel lodge guest had already left, Randhawa agreed to be patient while the city worked to find a solution. Negotiating over the phone with a Tacoma Housing Now representative named Arrow, Kim also sent a letter asking for cooperation. I said, look, we empathize, but appeasement devoid of accountability is not love. You're not helping people, Kim recalls. Let's not put a minority-owned business and 10 employees out of business. You're perpetuating the cycle of homelessness. As Kim and Fisher focused on de-escalating the situation, other city staff scrambled to find housing for dozens at the height of a pandemic. Because Fife had no beds to offer, that meant calling neighboring communities and pleading for holiday miracles. The city of Tacoma, Tacoma Rescue Mission, Low Income Housing Institute, and Pierce County Human Services collectively secured the required number of beds at area shelters, one of which hadn't even opened to the public yet. On the sixth day of the standoff, Hours before the city planned to move the occupants from the travel lodge into other temporary housing, Fisher received a series of startling calls. The Patriot Guard and others were threatening to go in armed and do our job since we weren't, he recounts. So we moved that timetable up quickly to get the situation resolved before people started showing up with guns. When police arrived and ordered the squatters to leave, everything went smoothly, although a Tacoma Housing Now representative later disputed that the group's departure was voluntary. Messages to a spokesperson for the group went unreturned. Kim knows of just one occupier who took advantage of the alternative shelter that Fife hastily coordinated, and he recalls hearing participants voice frustration with the whole protest. One gentleman looked at me and said, they really did play us, he says. For their part, Fisher and his 32 officer department exhaled when the job was done. We need to protect our local business owners, but at the same time, if you look at the national mood when it comes to trusting police officers, we were very cognizant of how we wanted to respond, Fisher says. I think it has been the best possible outcome from what could have been a perfect storm. This story was written by Devin O'Neill. Our second story is Harvesting Hope, written by Laura Fur Mericus. Embracing mass timber technology, Darrington rebuilds its economy. 
Later this year, if all goes as planned, the town of Darrington will break ground on a first-of-its-kind manufacturing and research facility focused on the emerging technology of mass timber. The Darrington Wood Innovation Center, which will employ 150, is an exercise in collaborative leadership seven years in the making, born out of economic necessity, promise, and tragedy. Having lost 90% of its timber jobs in the decades-long collapse of that industry, Darrington already was struggling to survive when in 2014, a mudslide buried 47 homes near the neighboring community of Oso and severed SR530, Darrington's primary link to population centers and jobs. Not long after the slide, Darrington Mayor Dan Rankin and Snohomish County Agriculture, Forest, and Fisheries Coordinator Lisa Nunzig attended a statewide conference exploring the potential of how mass timber, engineered wood products touted as low-carbon alternatives to concrete and steel, might revitalize the economies of rural, forest product towns in an era of climate change. The opportunity seemed tailor-made to Darrington's predicament. We're completely surrounded by national forest and the timber and logging industry, Rankin said. We wanted something that fit our communities as a whole, not only for jobs. So the duo, both Snohomish County natives, began forming relationships with leaders across the state. While Rankin and Nunzig worked with local and regional leaders to devise a mass timber economic revitalization plan for Darrington, the town's congressional delegation, Senator Maria Cantwell and Representative Suzanne Delbini, worked together in Washington, D.C. to secure federal economic relief funding in the aftermath of the mudslide. With a $6 million grant from the U.S. Economic Development Administration, which helped secure a $2 million award from the state's Community Economic Revitalization Board, the town is now moving forward with plans to transform a former 93-acre tree farm into the Darrington Wood Innovation Center. The campus will be built out in phases, starting with a private cross-laminated timber production facility and a mass timber modular manufacturer, followed by a sustainable forest products research and education center with 30 acres of forest land held in trust in perpetuity for recreation and education, thanks to a $157,000 grant from the Snohomish County Conservation Futures Program. For Darrington, where roughly half of the 1,400 residents commute up to 70 miles each way to find what he calls meaningful work, Rankin expects the development will be transformative, creating dozens of local family wage jobs, spurring private investment, and providing an elusive commodity, hope. For a small town like ours, this is a huge moment, says Rankin, a sawmill operator who's been Darrington's mayor since 2012. For the folks that live here, the kids that are coming out of high school here, the kids that have gone on to college and soon will be able to return here and have opportunities, these are the things that make a town whole. Our third and final story, again written by Laura Fur Maricas, is Formula for Recovery, how AWC worked with NLC on a federal pandemic aid for local governments in Washington and all across America. When the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021 was approved in March, the federal relief package included a historic $130 billion to help cities and counties mitigate the economic impact of the pandemic. A behind-the-scenes effort by the National League of Cities, along with 49 municipal leagues, including the Association of Washington Cities, was essential in bringing that aid to fruition. Following the passage of the CARES Act a year earlier, municipal leaders around the country began to rally together around the idea that local governments, particularly smaller towns and villages, had been overlooked. The CARES Act had awarded $8.2 billion in relief funds to 36 large cities with populations greater than 500,000. But according to Irma Esperanza Diggs, Senior Executive and Director of Federal Advocacy with NLC, that left 99.8% of the approximately 19,000 U.S. municipalities 
shy of the benchmark for receiving aid. Of Washington's 281 cities, Seattle was the only one with a population above the limit. We wanted to make sure that cities had the resources to help businesses survive, to make sure we didn't have to lay off police officers, firefighters, and public works staff, and to ensure the safety of essential workers, explains Peter King, CEO of AWC, which worked with Diggs' team to lobby for direct funds for municipalities regardless of size. To stay on task, Diggs set up weekly calls with municipal league directors. We really changed how we worked as an organization, working across the organization, beyond just our everyday missions, to be able to make this an all-hands-on-deck effort, Diggs says. Next, they called on local leaders from across the country, including Tacoma Mayor Victoria Woodards, NLC Vice President, to share stories with their communities. NLC coordinated meetings with Congress members, organized state press conferences, and set up media interviews for league directors and their constituents to speak about how the pandemic was affecting their livelihoods. Their focus was on storytelling and education, eventually becoming a full-fledged campaign dubbed Cities Are Essential. A big part of our job was to tell the story of who was receiving funding and who wasn't, which really helped us to build our support on both sides, Diggs adds. While the Department of Treasury finalizes specific guidance on how funds can be spent and what reporting will be required, NLC has launched a searchable database of projected allocations. As those details get worked out, for example, unlike CARES Act funding, American Rescue Plan relief can be used to recover lost revenues and can be spent up to three years. As those details get worked out, both Diggs and King say local leaders should consult the database to anticipate what their communities will be receiving and strategize how to best use the flexible funds. Assess what your community needs are. Assess what your government operations are, Diggs advises. Really prioritize the fiscal stability and returning to work of not only your municipal operations, but also your families and your businesses. I hope you've enjoyed these stories from City Vision Magazine. You can find all the back issues of City Vision Magazine as well as all the episodes of the City Voice podcast at wascities.org. <laughs>